let's 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 pull back the curtain and air the dirty laundry that was hiding behind it. Let's get down to brass tacks. All right, we've put the tin ones away. Do they make them out of tin? I don't know. No one has ever liked a video game. No. No, I, I agree with you. This is not a controversial take. Nah, lowest form of human creation. And when I say that, right... That includes everything anyone has ever filmed themselves doing with fecal matter and also the fecal matter. That's high art by comparison, if we're honest. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. You know, I'd rather be like, ah, there's a shit. That's better than a video game. Right? I did that the other day. I was walking down the street. I went down a side street. I looked over the left. I said... That's a human turd. Yep, every form of play is better than gameplay. That includes poop play, piss play, pony play, uh, play, plays. Plays are better than video games. They are. They're they're better. You don't have to interact. They do the story for you. It's not forcing yeah. you to do work. Including that, that one-man show where he flings those sheep guts around. Again, at least I'm not required to do homework to make that happen. Yeah, it was, it was some sort of protest against the imprisonment of Oscar Wilde, which... If only there was some way that, like, I could have the experience of a video game without having to play it. Some kind of non-interactive method of enjoying visual media, then I would be so much happier. You know, the problem with poop play isn't so much the poop play itself, it's the fans. You know, it's the community around the poop play. That's what I've, I've always thought the poop play community is very toxic. <laughs> I, Conrad, please write a book called The Problem with Poop Play. <laughs> It's got to be non-judgy. Right, oh no, no, yeah. Because if someone wants to play with a stick of shit, right? right. Who am I to judge? Yeah, um, that's your business, enjoy. I mean, certainly if you're gonna, if you were to film it, you don't have to, but if you were to film it, you'd have made something better than all video games. At once. Immediately. Oh god, yeah, that includes Rogue. What you know <laughs> you can count on with a poop play video <laughs> that a video game doesn't have yeah. Is a firm beginning, middle, and end. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, now, granted, I've seen some that have had some loose middles. Yeah. But, I mean, always a conclusive end, even if there's a sequel hook. The sequel hook usually being that was some good poop play. Is there any more? <laughs> tabs and tabs open of endless poop play. <laughs> I stopped doing uh, so many weird ads in the Jimquisition because people thought there was too much piss and shit <laughs> where have they been it wasn't meant to be i was just supposed to troll and upset people by saying video games are rubbish and shit which they are i didn't mean to linger on the poop play so much that's my fault i brought it back around it's just it's so fertile if you need an escape ramp from it i've been getting more emails from my psychic friend there's updates oh do tell there better be updates exactly so last week when we left it you know i'm, I'm the all-powerful moon goddess i am the reincarnation of the archangel Mike. So here's the character development we've had. So there's a new character called Marla who's shown up. Oh, shit. And here's the deal with Marla. Marla just, as you do during a pandemic, she went on a holiday to the Vatican. Of course. Yeah. And while she was there, she starts having some visions. She starts having visions of me performing miracles, like holy miracles, 
And she tells the, the people at the Vatican about it and they're like, oh shit, this is a legit religious Vatican, you know, prophecy you're having. Quick, let us help. So they go down into the basement of the Vatican, into the, the hidden catacombs. Where Yves Rameau's just hanging out. Exactly! So they find a religious artifact. It is a bracelet... It's a very tacking-looking bracelet, if I'm honest. I've seen pictures of it. They give it to Marla to send to Bethia, my psychic, basically going, you need to give this to Laura so that she can unlock her powers and do some fucking religious miracles. We're talking, like, path to sainthood shit. Here's the plot twist. Bethia receives this, this Vatican pendant and is like, this shit's really fucking magical. I don't want to give it to Laura. I want to fucking keep it for myself. It's fucking magic. Whoa, is this an antagonist added to the story? We're getting a heel turn. Oh my god, a villain. My psychic of six weeks has been like, hey, I don't want to give you this. It's too fucking powerful. I want to be magical. But she does graciously say, hey, I will give it to you still, but I want a hundred bucks. Oh my god. She is a scammer <laughs> playing the role of a... Sorceress scammer. <laughs> I love it. They I know, are right? actually it's... trying to extort you for cash by playing a cash extorter. <laughs> like they've dropped the pretense of that the, they're here to help me. She's now like, if you don't give me a hundred quid, I am keeping magical artifacts from the Vatican oh away from God. you. Just, just before they hit send, thinking we've tried the honey. <laughs> Here comes the stick. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I continue to read, and she's she's basically like, hey, we're going to put the hard sell on. I'm going to give you 24 fucking hours to pay me for this, this Vatican artifact, or it's mine forever. You are never getting it. Holy shit. She does thankfully leave the little um, tease in there that if I don't get the artifact, there may still be ways for me to, you know, unlock oh, my wow. powers on my own. But, you know... It, th this is the golden ticket to my powers for only a hundred dollars. I'll say this: if if I'd gotten this long series of emails that you've gotten about the psychic wars or what have you, <laughs> I if I received these emails and believed these emails, yeah, and came to believe that I am an all-powerful moon goddess. And well, I mean, I am. <laughs> but but if I were to believe everything that was was told. The moment at which my sense of belief in this would be punctured would be about the time the magical bracelet cost a hundred dollars. It's so low stakes. Here's the thing. I know that this is a scam. I know that this is a scam. I am a hundred percent aware of the fact this is a scam. The story's reached a point where I keep stopping and looking at this bracelet and going, Is a hundred bucks worth the story? I mean, for a hundred bucks, I kind of feel like it's worth the story to have the weird bracelet and people be like, Oh, that's an interesting bracelet. Where did you get it? Oh, it got sent to me by the Vatican. I had to pay a hundred dollar extortion fee to get it. Maybe this is the modern form of busking. Right? Somebody has created a whole world and a narrative for mm. you, and here they are holding out their hat and asking you to pay the hundred dollars. It's time to support small creators. <laughs> I'm honestly, there's a little bit of me that thinks I've had a hundred dollars worth of uh, enjoyment out of the last six yeah. weeks. I kind of feel, I kind of feel yeah, like the scammers earned it. <laughs> 
Like, I, I um, owe you for such a good time. My only worry is that if I give you the money, you might stop emailing me because you, you got the money out of me at that point. Or they'll think that they could get more. There'll be more and more powerful artifacts. There is a bit of me that's like, if I got a prepaid, you know, like a prepaid card with some money on it so that, like, they can't keep taking my money. Like, I could maybe give a hundred quid to get a weird, a weird Vatican bracelet. Oh, you're not getting shit, but... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. This bracelet exists. Oh, I'm sure it does. I have seen, I have seen delis- uh, um, sold listings for it secondhand on eBay for <laughs> other people who have received it and sold it back on for usually about 15 to 20 quid. I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on eBay looking out for a Vatican bracelet I can buy secondhand. Wow. Okay, now you see, now you're cutting them out, and that's not cool. Well, unless, <laughs> Laura, you, you buy one of the bracelets, take a photo of you wearing it, pointing at the camera, and just send back with your next underneath. <laughs> really turn it around on them. Yeah, so, like, I'm just going to read you a quick email from her, because, like, she, she was really putting on the hard sell. Not this time, Carolyn. She still thinks I'm called Carolyn. Mm. You can't go under the radar now. No slipping into the shadows. No letting someone else claim what's yours. Don't let fear win. There's nothing to be afraid of. Heaven's banging down your door. You'd be foolish to ignore heaven's offerings. Don't let someone else claim what's yours. That's kind of a weird thing to say when you're the person who's trying yeah. to claim yeah, what's right? yours. <laughs> Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like the idea that somewhere out there, there's a moon goddess called Carolyn thinking, where the fuck's my bracelet? <laughs> they said they'd fucking email. <laughs> I'm sure you're wondering, why me? Why now? But the truth is, this isn't coming out of nowhere, and I think you already know that. Ever since you were a young child, deep down, you knew you were different. You feel things ten times more compared to others. Your peers could tell that you had supernatural abilities. You know, and have always known, that you are destined for religious powers. Hmm. <sighs> hmm. Religious powers. Religious powers. Well, I mean, it's from the Vatican. It's got to be religious powers. I guess. Uh, um, You'd think the powers would come from a spiritual source and not so much the... Whatever, I'm I'm splitting hairs. Don't question my spiritual psychic advisor here. Right, right. My, my apologies. So yeah, that's been the most recent week of updates. Fucking Christ. I still have a little voice in the back of my head like, I mean, it's it'd be $100 for a story. Hey, you'll get something... $100 will be able to afford one current generation game. Oh, what you could do is, um, you know, if you really wanted to make a story out of it, because then you could write it off, contact some of the other people on eBay who are selling these and get their stories and, you know, like sell it to like, I don't know, some publication that writes about this shit. I don't know. I'm half tempted. I feel like there is a whole thing going on here. Yeah. But yeah, I, I have like a, I have an eBay search listing result that will now email me if someone else puts this bracelet up for sale. Brilliant. So we'll see. We'll find out what happens. Oh, yeah, we'll see. So there's my update on that. Video games. What? We we got some of them. Oh, we do. It's unfortunate. They're not good. Mm. We are unfortunately required to talk about them. Yeah. All video games are of shockingly poor quality. By the way, I can't believe this podcast has lore now. This podcast has lore now. This, this podcast is one of the most easy for someone to just pick up and get into. And now we've got, <laughs> an, we've got sorcerer's stones and... and 
bracelets hiding in the Vatican with the CEO of Ubisoft. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was inevitable. Yeah. Who are we kidding? Yeah. I'm surprised it took this long. You can't get 300 episodes into something before it turns out like, hey, we're going to have to put a, a meta narrative onto it so that we can eventually make the Podquisition cinematic universe, you know. And unlike anything I've done with lore involved, there's no shit in this story. Indeed. This is the Infinity Stone being dropped to hint at the Avengers eventually coming. Oh, God. So yeah, what's everyone played this week? <laughs> hey, Conrad. What? What have you done? What I done? I played, uh, I've played like one game this week. Oh, well then shut up and do it later then. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll you do... can do it now if you want. Or no, no, I'll, I'll wait, one. I'll wait, because it's, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll start, why not? I'll offer to start. Yeah. I played a little press demo for a, for an interesting little co-op game called Kiwi. Ooh. You play as little, little Kiwis trying to, trying to send messages on Keyboards that are way too big for you. I love this already. It's adorable. Kiwi birds are amazing. I know, right? They're among the best birds. They're up there with toucans and puffins. This is like the the flightless bird equivalent of something like an overcooked. It's one of those, there's a timer going, chaotically do the things uh, as quickly as you can. There's too much to do and you're having to shout at the other person playing to sort of micromanage who's doing what. But it's all things like... Hey, here's a really spread out keyboard, type out this message one butt stomp at a time. Here's uh, parcels that need to be sent somewhere. You go get the, the fragile sticker. You go type out the code that will say, say where to ship it. Mm. You point the direction of where it needs to be shipped from. There was a lot of variety in the demo for this that I played. It took maybe 40 to 50 minutes to play through the little demo levels. And every one of them had a unique gimmick or some way of escalating the mechanics that was quite nice. A good example is a later level was another one where you're trying to type messages on a keyboard, but now there's uh, plants growing all over the keyboard, and sometimes a vine will grow over a key and make it be held down, so you're having to be like, oh no, why, why, why is the wrong letter being typed in? Quick, go kill that plant. There are some carnivorous plants that will try and eat you, and you've got to rescue the other kiwi from them. Uh, sometimes the keys will get knocked off of their uh, positions by plants and you have to go grab them and put them back on. All while being an adorable little kiwi bird. It's a really cute, fun little co-op game that I had a lot of fun with. If it can keep up the level of extrapolation and creativity with mechanics that it did in this demo for a full game... I feel like this is going to be a really fun game for people to co-op stream together. Uh -huh. Nice. You know what I think when I uh, see people, like, streaming co-op games? Yeah. I think, oh, look at me, I'm not lonely, fucking pricks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we on occasion have co-op streamed games as a trio. We've done it from time to time. I know, and I'm rubbing it, rubbing it in the face of anyone who doesn't know people. <laughs> Make me feel better about myself. Poor, sad, lonely bastards. Yeah. Oh, you you know one fewer person than me, do you? Eat that <laughs> grapefruit. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of fun customization stuff in here. Zero microtransactions. It's just play the game, unlocking game tokens that let you unlock, you know. Now my kiwi looks like a skeleton and it's wearing aviators. Uh, wait. Wait. 
Kiwi skeleton? Yeah, you can have a kiwi with a skeleton fur pattern on it wearing aviators and, like, a a cool satchel bag. All right, this... You had my interest, but now you have my skeleton. Yeah, it's it's coming out in full release, I believe, in August. But from what I've played, it's very creative, it's very charming. Uh, The co-op was really easy to set up. I am really enamoured with this game. It's got a living dead kiwi bird. I'm all in now. You can unlock a setting to just have your kiwi be extra fluffy if you'd like. Fuck yeah. I like kiwi birds and I like kiwi fruit. Kiwi fruit's awesome. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Not big on all those little seeds, but sure. No, I'm not big on my tongue's allergic reaction to it either, but sometimes it's worth a risk. Oh, yes. That would probably also be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. My tongue my, my tongue will take any excuse to be allergic to something. I can't drink pineapple juice either. I learned a fun fact. The reason that my tongue doesn't get on well with banana is apparently bananas will trick your body into thinking there are a couple of other things you might be allergic to. Oh, oh fun. So, like, uh, if you have pollen allergies, uh, specifically ragweed, bananas will trick your body into thinking it's ragweed and you'll have an allergic reaction. Oh, God. Or latex. People with latex oh, allergies shit. can't eat bananas because there's something kind of similar in a banana that oh. your body goes, oh, fuck, is this latex panic? Fuck that. I like a banana yeah hell i like a banana with just a tiny bit of green left on it i like a banana with a bit of crunch mm-hmm. a little firm banana yeah hell yeah oh that's just a fact i learned this week bananas bananas masquerade as other things for allergy purposes oh that's interesting my tongue just looks like freddy krueger if i have a kiwi fruit it's nothing nothing special about it just don't like the acid love just don't like oh. the acid uh what about you both what have you both played this week steph you You've played more than one thing. Yeah. Well, basically, I've worked out a way to play video games without having to actually play fucking awful video games. (laughs) I am now officially a pinball lizard. (laughs) You've been playing a lot of pinball. Oh, hell yeah. I wake up, I play pinball, right? I have the breakfast, a bag of Cheetos. I play pinball. I sit on a rock in the sun and warm my blood. And then I play more pinball. It's the pinball lifestyle for me. This hasn't happened in a couple of years, but I'm I'm going through a pinball phase. I like the plinky plonky. I like the lights and sounds. And I like hitting a ball and watch it go on a ramp. And bumpers. All good things. Oh, tell me the... Oh, let me tell you of the bumpers, right? They bump the ball about. What? That's what they do. They bump the ball about and they sometimes make a ding. A ding? A ding. A ding, you say. Or they go, like the whole table will... Because they're really noisy fucking machines, so they're just... Right. Uh, I can't recreate the pinball atmosphere at a computer desk. I can almost knock a monitor over, though. Just lifting a desk and slamming it on the floor does not simulate pinball. You cannot choke slam your desk. Oh, I can't. See if I can't. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> as soon as I locate which part serves as the throat. <laughs> where was I? Right, pinball. I've played loads. I've played loads of old pinball. Still annoyed at most of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Still believe that the the gutter lanes at the side should be illegal. Actually illegal. <laughs> Look, right? Don't build your pinball game around having to kick the table that isn't there. That, that used to be called cheating. 
But now tables are designed, well, I'm saying now, even in loads of the old ones are designed so that, oh, they'll go down that fucking gutter and you've got to kick it all the time. And when I, when I flick a, a analog stick or whatever to make the table shake, right, it will immediately warn me that if I keep doing that, it's going to punish me. I'm the one in trouble for playing something the way it was designed. And another thing, game developers, right, there's nothing anyone can do about gravity except you <laughs> you control how that pinball falls you've dicked me over for the last time pinball game dev <laughs> i demand pinball justice i'll make my own pinball game with gutters that bounce you back up like crewball let me tell you a good pinball game mm. crewball it's a pinball game Based, well, saying based on. Including? Sounds like the... Including, yes. It's got the Motley Crew license slapped on the front of it. Oh, it plays Dr. Feelgood. It does play Dr. Feelgood. It plays three tracks, um, none of which I really... I'm not really a Motley Crew listener. You're just fine. You're just fine. <laughs> Missing nothing. <laughs> yeah, like, it's... I know of the crew sure and their legendary exploits hell yeah yeah i tell you what right crew ball's good it's got a very low straight down the middle chance unlike fucking demon crush devil crush all of those crushes all the crushes i mean i've been playing on the the mega drive version so they're called dragon's revenge and dragon's mm -hmm. fury they look fucking amazing graphically they're incredible the actual table layout is brilliant always down to middle <sighs> I demand my pinball justice. But, right, very low chance of that in this game. If you hit two flippers at once, there's a better than average chance it's going to flick them back up. Um, I like a pinball game where it feels like it's my fault when I lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I feel so good when I lose, but it's my fault. It's a rare treat in some of these games. Those side gaps outside the flippers are entirely designed for coin guzzling in exactly. that sort of arcane game style. It's a holdover. I understand it from physical machines that are trying to get your money, but if you're making a digital machine, just fucking do away with it. Yeah. The same way as, like, don't have a limited credit system in an arcade port. Yeah. Or make, like, Crewball, have the gutters, but they bounce you back up. So it's exciting. So you're like, yeah. oh, down the gutter. Oh, it sent it back up to the middle bit of the table with them flippers. Um, it's really good. It's got, a, like, a, a plants versus zombie sort of mode, does Crewball, where skeletons come from one side and you've got, like, a breakout Arkanoid-style flipper thing with their own little pinball flippers and you keep hitting the ball at the skeletons. I'm going to be the voice of dissent on the side gutters, with a caveat. I, I do like them um, when they have, as you say, a kickback system implemented, but it doesn't need be automatic. Right. Make me earn it. I'm fine with that. Make me get the protection covering that border. But to just leave them empty is completely unnecessary in the modern age. You know, give give me a shitty second set of bumpers so I have to switch between controls to flip them back up the side. Sure. Or give me a limited number of times where you will automatically bounce it back up, but that's only a certain number of times. That'll take some of the frustration off. Do something to lessen the... I did the initial ping of the ball and it touched nothing and went down the side and I couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Basically, I don't want I don't want the same experience I had with another game called Psycho Pinball where I <laughs> I shot the ball up, it entered the table, 
arced over and immediately gutted. Ooh. And I think that's unfortunate. Launch another bowl. Goes up. Arcs. Immediately gutters. Hmm. Yeah. Curious. On the third try, straight down the middle. Huh. Very nice visuals on Psycho Pinball. Two gutters straight down the middle, I thought, right? That's enough of that. Yeah. It's that, that Psycho Pinball. I'll do one more quick one before moving on, because I want to get one of the contemporary ones out. This was on Switch. It was released in 2019. It's called Demon's Tilt. Hmm. It's really fucking good. It's got issues with going straight down the middle for sure. It's got gutters and they're really annoying because unlike uh, like kicking the table, instead you flick the stick and it will actually give the ball just this tiniest, tiniest boost in a direction. Just the tiniest. Just a smidge. The gutters have roofs and they're on a slope and usually the ball will just like roll down the slope and roll over the hole of the gutter. Except for the few times it doesn't, and you try and kick it back up, and it just hits the ceiling and goes back down, and that mm. all that gets under my skin. But aside from you know some of these issues where it still feels like it's 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 really like it's based on on those crush games, so it's it's got this occult look to it. It's got monsters floating around the screen all the time. It's got three layers, so you got th- basically three screens. It's got bullet hell elements because the enemies will shoot. Just tons of bullets at times, which your ball will eliminate if it hits one and you'll get some points, but it will also like just be a, a barrier for the ball as well. So you've got to be careful as you're flicking up. If a hail of bullets is coming down, you're going to have to be like flip, flip, flip to keep it up. Mm. And even though it's one table, there's a lot of shit happening on that table. On the lower floor, uh, there uh, is a a monster that you hit and hit until it goes away and then another one spawns and they're all different and have really cool designs then in the middle you've got a face like a woman's head like in the the crush games that you just hit and hit and hit Uh, and then on the top one there is a big fucking lion's head that you can smash up and a fine have an alligator up there get a jackpot go in its mouth why not it's really good It's super, I think it might just be one person. It's a very small team, but it looks gorgeous, has really good music, uh, fantastic effects, and just loads of points and plinky plonkies and things happening and this really satisfying just sense of destruction as you smash through monsters while hitting everything else. So yeah, I would, if you like your pinball and you've not played Demon's Tilt, it's really good. Plus, it's got a vertical mode. Oh, nice. So if you want to play it that way on the Switch. Um, that was a big... A lot of people recommended it to me. So, yeah, they were very right about that one. Yay! Yeah. Yay! Uh, I played another game this week. I have played through the new Ratchet & Clank on the PlayStation 5. Oh, yeah! Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. I forget who it was that pointed out that, that Ripped Apart might be the... The pun, because it's always a puerile pun. I mean, I mean, that is a good pun, but it's not representative of the game. The game's pretty alright. Up your arsenal, rip to far. Like, it's it tracks for the series. <laughs> um, so yeah, Ratchet and Clank, for anyone who's never played one, it is a series of sort of 3D platformers with shooting and melee mechanics and a little bit of light puzzle solving. I'm glad you played it, by the way, because the game yeah. has come out to rave reviews like, you know, nines and tens, which, of course, from uh, games media tells me 
nothing. <laughs> so I would really like an opinion on this game. Okay, okay. So I really enjoyed my time with this game with the understanding that definitely some of my enjoyment is a result of novelty. And while I would very highly recommend this game right now, I suspect that by the end of this console generation, the things that make it impressive now are not going to be as impressive. Sounds like a piece of shit. No, I I had a, I had a really fun time with it, but like... I don't. I want to be clear. I don't think it will be a bad game years down the line. I think that a lot of the the new things it's doing probably won't be new for very long. Well, it's you know it's a PS5 launch. Sorry, it's a PS5 year title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So of the games I've played on PS5, this one probably most feels like it justifies being on a next-gen console for a couple of reasons. For anyone that's played Astro's Playroom or whatever it's called, the, the new Astro Bot thing that came pre-installed on the PS5. It's still one of the best PS5 games ever made. Yeah, I would say that this is very comparable in terms of making really fun use of the adaptive triggers and the fancy rumble to do really cool stuff. This game has a lot of different weapons you can use. They all feel very distinct, but... Much like something like, say, Returnal, it does a lot with changing up the functions of the triggers in order to give them additional utility. Uh. Uh, it does a lot with that trick of half press it until you feel resistance to target enemies and lock on and then click it past there to, to do the firing. So, you know those trailers they showed off for this game where they were like quickly jumping through portals to uh, drastically different locations and there was a bit of stuttering and a little bit of a load, but it was still, you know, fairly, fairly impressively fast. It runs better in person. Okay. The loading times are faster with less frame rate hiccups. It is less than a second, suddenly you've jumped to a completely different environment. There are some levels in this game that make really good use of that, and I'm really impressed by. Uh, there's one level I will talk about in vague terms where you've got two drastically different versions of the same environment. One has been completely destroyed and one is still intact, and the instant ability to switch back and forth between the two with no waiting at all really, really is impressive. And it makes that gimmick work without feeling frustrating. It's clearly trying to be a bit of a visual showpiece for the, the new hardware. By not trying to go for a photorealistic look, it gets a lot more out of the horsepower available. It does a lot with We've got lots of particle effects and things that break into many, many things. Look how many bits of debris and enemies and particle effects can happen at once. And it stays at a stable frame rate, which, I mean, that's the kind of thing that is exciting when you're early in a new generation. But, like, putting those things aside is just a fun 15 to 20 hour long mascot platformer shooter. I really liked the narrative even if it's a little bit predictable in places, what it does get right is very fun character performances, some good character motivations, even if occasionally, you know, something will happen in the plot and you'll go, oh, okay, this is that narrative trick that stories do. Okay, we're, we're in this bit of the narrative, you'll happen occasionally. But most of the game, I really found the characters quite endearing and charming in how they're put together. There is a good variety of locations, the weapon variety is really fun to play around with. You'd be hard-pressed to find many things that this game does badly. If you like 
frantic, visually nice combat shooting, and you like mascot platformers that are a little light-hearted, this is a really good game. They always tend to be. Yeah. They always tend to be good. It's just, you know, every major game that comes out gets nines and tens, so you just can't tell. You just can't tell from the establishment. I understand that. I get why people are excited about this game. I mean, don't worry, I'm being an absolute dick about <laughs> it. That's the point of what I'm doing. But no, the Ratchet & Clank games tend to be pretty good. I like it when Dr. Nefarious is in them. Very good, fun character, 10 out of 10. Dr. Nefarious continues to be a very good, fun character, but also there's some fun, unexpected stuff they do with him cool. that I was happy about. I'm into that. Yeah, for, for anyone who's not played a Ratchet & Clank game, you can jump into this one completely fine. Literally all you need to know is Ratchet & Clank saved the world in the past. It's been quite a while since then and everything's been quite quiet. Dr. Nefarious is a bad guy that exists from previous games. He's a bit of a bumbling fool. And at least in the rebooted series, hey, Ratchet's the only one of his kind in the universe. He's a bit sad about that. There you go. You're caught up on the law. You don't need to know anything else. I may get it. I may get it. Um, it's just, you know, current joint games are expensive now, aren't they? Entirely fair criticism. I think it's probably the biggest criticism this game has of it. I ain't got an infinite budget game industry, not got an infinite one. I will say, of the games I've played on PS5, and particularly the first party stuff, you can feel a difference that they didn't make a PS4 version of this game as well. Because as wonderful as some of the, like, the fast loading time stuff in, say, Spider-Man Miles Morales was, like, the fast travel being fucking instant, this is very clearly making use of, we're gonna do stuff with this game that only works if we can instantly load in new assets. Mechanics that just wouldn't be enjoyable if you had to wait around for them. And it makes very good use of that. It justifies Sony's being like, hey, you can only play this on a thing with a fast SSD. And the novelty of that helps a lot, but it's just a fun, colourful, mindless shooter with some silly characters. I had a very good time playing. Yeah. Ah, and they, the, the series has always sort of yeah. been that way. It's There's something very strange about it as a... As a shooter. Yeah. The way it targets and, and controls, the way the way the camera is. There's there's something unique. And I've never been sure if I enjoy its uniqueness or not. I always in have enjoyed the games I've played in the series. I'm never sure if I enjoy the way it shoots over other games. I know what you mean. This is similarly... It's a bit unique in the way that it does its shooting. This falls for me on the side of... I think they got it right. Okay. Metal Arms, that's what it reminds me of. Metal Arms! That was a similar game in terms of, of how it played. Also, I really like the way that this, this game handles uh, collectibles that unlock tangible things in the game, such as, like, ah, oh, you found this collectible, now you can change what the currency looks like. You can have it be rupees from the Zelda games instead of, you know, bland brown cogs or whatever. It does a good job of... You found a secret by going off the beaten path, we're going to give you something for that. You can change the cosmetics on the currency itself. Yes, you can make that's... it so that the currency <laughs> is different things. That's, that's fun. Do, do you want to have the currency be thousands of cans of energy drink that fly at you? Oh you my can, god. You can do that. We're going to get to a somewhere an EA executive has come <laughs> so hard thinking about microtransactions that change the way microtransactions look. It's nice having shit like this not be microtransaction oh, sure. It's so nice. But yeah, uh, the only other thing I wanted to say about it is 
wonderful, wonderful accessibility settings. Um, if you want in-depth stuff on it, go check out this week's accessibility, which is already up. It went up a little early this week. But um, Insomniac is doing a really, really good job consistently releasing stuff with really nice accessibility settings. Um, high contrast mode is back. There's a lot of really nice options for motion sickness, for simplifying control layouts, for automating how uh, combat works. I have to give Sony props for continuing to do a really good job at having every one of their in-house studios produce really good quality stuff, and particularly Insomniac's doing really well. Yeah. I've got to say, there's two stories about Insomniac as a developer of this at the moment. Yes. Because we've got how it was made without crunch and how that's good. But we also have allegations that persist of how that studio treats women. Yes, there are some allegations, I believe, from last summer that have sort of resurfaced around the launch of this game that involve a member of staff who was apparently fired afterwards. But yeah, not a lot of traction came to that story. There was a story about some pretty shitty stuff going on with how at least one member of upper management treated women within the company. Yeah, like it's at a point where I'm like... There's a lot of crowing about the crunch, which if if it you know yeah. obviously a game of that level not made with crunch is important to note and it's very important yeah. to point out. Like look what can be done when you don't work your staff to the bone. It would be nice for them to be like just definitely say like, Oh, and those bad actors have been booted and are not shareholders of the company like they are in Ubisoft. Because Ubisoft was at the same time, so Insomnia just kind of could just go under the radar so i yeah i wanted to make sure that both of those were sort of noted yeah because even i ended up glossing over insomniac at the time because ubisoft was just so front and center it's a thing i want to do more research on before next week's episode i i picked up on it pretty late i picked up on it like maybe half an hour before uh, we recorded today but same yeah um i remember the allegations but then again completely forgot because i've got a brain like a fucking sieve yeah ubisoft understandably sort of eclipsed a lot of other conversations going on at the time that's Ratchet and Clank. If you want a thing that feels that feels next gen and is like, oh, that's a very fancy game that uh, that feels like it's taxed in my console, and also it's just a fun, light-hearted platform mascot shooter. This is a really fun little game. I completed it and then went straight into a second playthrough. I will say the second playthrough does a lot mechanically to justify continuing to play. Oh, like a new. Oh, it's got new game plus and that. It's got new game plus, and the new oh. game plus gives you more cool things to play around with. Okay. Ratchet and Clank's never been a series that's convinced me that I needed to own a PlayStation product before. I've never needed a whole lot of convincing in the end. It always seemed like inevitable that I would get one. And this is the first time that I'm looking at this with an eye to, eh, maybe I just won't get a console. And this doesn't do a lot to change that. But they're always really good games. They're very inventive. They have funny stuff. Sometimes. Yeah. I thought this one was very on point in terms of its humour and its poignant moments. It's a little predictable. There's a couple of tropey things, but like nothing, nothing, nothing like that that stopped me enjoying it. The time flew by. I had a good time. It was worth checking out. Rip to far. Rip to far indeed. Uh, Who else has played anything? Steph, have you played anything else this week? Define anything else. I mean, I've played other pinball games. Do you want to tell us about more pinball games? <laughs> Still been playing pinball games. Pinball MD. 
Pinball. Oh, that's for Pinball Mega Drive. I can't remember most of them. Virtual Pinball was interesting. Mm. Virtual Pinball is like massive, like you can't even call them tables. They're just massive open spaces with little gullies and ramps and flippers all over the place. But every part is customizable. So you can swap out layouts and aesthetic changes. There are a bunch of pre-built tables, but you can change, you can cycle through cosmetics. And basically the best cosmetics is the bones and the flesh and the blood one, which is so out of place among all the others. Where it's like, oh, it looks like a construction site. Oh, it's a bit robot-y. Here's flesh. Hmm. And when the ball hits the sides, little blood particles will pop out and it'll just go, ah! Hmm. Otherwise, incredibly sanitized game that isn't that great. <laughs> Lots of straight down the middle as well. But the customization for what, like, at the time, like, this was on the, the Mega Drive on the Genesis. The sheer volume of the size of the tables and what you can do to mess around with them and make your own is pretty cool for the time. For the time, I haven't played one good pinball game on the SNES. Fantasy Pinball, Pinball Dreams, people love those games, say they have, how brilliant they are, immediately gutted on Fantasy Pinball. Fuck that, high, high straight down the middle chance. Fuck that, Pinball Dreams is wide-ass flipper gap. What's the point of that? So fucking wide apart. It's not my legs on a Friday night, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ugly. Awful. A classic. And then I played Yoku's Yoku's Island Express. I love that game. Delightful. Yes. Now that is fun. It is a platformer pinball game where you're a little beetle pushing a little ball around. And then there are, you can go left or right, but then you use the flippers to gain any height. And then there are little layout levels. It's pretty laid back. The only real punishment is if you go through thorns and that, like you'll lose a bit of money, which is fruit. Um, but there's plentiful enough. You can bounce around. It's really cute, and it looks gorgeous. It's got the sort of hand-drawn look to it. The layouts are nice. It's like a big, sprawling, like, side-scrolly, open environment. Um, so you can go back and forth, and there are areas you can get to later with more items. You can get a little trumpet, which you can blow. And if you've never seen a pinball beetle with a trumpet, you haven't lived. No, it's it is charming. It feels really satisfying, but never too difficult or out of reach. I had to check because I couldn't remember if I finished it, and I did. Played a couple years, and it's just delightful, just yeah, bright and cheery, and the characters are fun. But it's not you know a whole bunch of stuff. It's just bounce around, have a good time. Yeah, it's on the right side of Twee. Yeah, um, it's five bucks on the Switch right now. Ooh. It's on sale for a little bit, so. For Fiverr, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. 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 I played a couple of other quick things to get out of the way that I don't have a huge amount to say about. After having really enjoyed the demo a couple of weeks ago for World's End Club, uh, I played the full game. It's not good. Mm. The The opening hour demo up to the sort of narrative twist moment is by far the best part of the game, and it becomes a bland, not good to control not narratively interesting, dull experience afterwards. It goes wildly downhill. Oh. That's a real shame. The The demo is good. Don't expect the entire game to be of that level of quality, which is a shame. 
Uh, and I played a little bit of a demo for a game called Kung Fu Kickball. It's a game where there are goals at either end and you and another player try and jump and kick and knock a ball back and forth and try and knock it in the other team's goal. It feels very much like that one level in Fall Guys where you're trying to get the ball into the goal, but what if it was a side-scrolling level? If it was a side-on perspective? Like, it plays well, it is kind of fun. I feel like it's a little bit limited in terms of like, okay, what is there that would be in the full game that isn't here that I would be playing? The levels basically differ on what shape elevation there is, which will cause the ball to go in slightly different directions, because like, oh, this one's got a, a steep edge. That'll make the ball go weird if you hit it. It wasn't a bad game. It was just sort of, I, I can't see why I would spend the money on it that it costs, even though I had a good time with the demo. Yeah. Well, specifically, that why bother if the demo's the good bit? Honestly, yeah. yeah. There's, there's enough in the demo that I'm like, I don't feel the need to have any more than what's in yeah. this demo. I learned that playing some demos of some Gottlieb pinball tables, yeah. the, the virtual recreations of them, because those are the actual arcade ones designed to suck your money up. And the demos have score limits. <sighs> I'm too shit and too unlucky at these tables to ever hit the score limit. I'm playing Bone Busters and Gladiators all day fucking long. I've beaten the system, everyone. That's my pinball justice. Conrad, what have you played? I played Backbone. Ooh. Is a adventure game, a detective noir adventure game set in a near future, but populated by anthropomorphic animals that have this hierarchy uh, with the apes at the top, and you are investigating a dude who's cheating on his wife, and then it goes in a direction that gets pretty fucking dark um, and seems to go, you know, all the way to the top, and and that's you know it's just a a pretty traditional approach to detective storytelling, but good good characterization, beautiful beautiful art, like it's all sprite art in you know a two D. There's not a lot of action, and you spend the entire game mostly talking to people and getting their stories, but that's cool because it's really well written, and the dialogue choices that you're presented with, I don't necessarily know that the things that I'm choosing are having any sort of impact whatsoever, but the way the responses are written and the manner in which it deploys conversation makes me think that's possible and that's interesting, mm. whether it's true or not. I'm looking at images of this now. The sort of very high detail pixel art is fucking gorgeous. It is Really beautiful. They have sequences where you're driving in the car with your partner who's a beaver who drives you around to different locations. You have these conversations. They're just huge, gorgeous, beautiful portraits in those. And then in, you know, the side view, it's just nicely detailed stuff. You move back and forth, side scrolling through them. You might at some points have to do some crouching to stealth through some areas. You may have to climb some stuff. There's some light puzzle solving with fetch questing or working out problems for people. There's a lot of people you can talk to the environment. There's some cool item manipulation puzzles very early on. You're presented with like a pile of paperwork. And there's a code hidden among them, but you have to work out how to do it with stacking, you know, pieces of paper over others. It's pretty well made. It, I streamed it yesterday and I was actually like, I don't want to stream this. 
because I actually want to just sort of like read and enjoy it by myself and and not have to read everything aloud. And, and I can't imagine it's terribly exciting for an audience, but it's a pretty cool game and I would suggest checking it out. Uh, it just hit Game Pass uh, this past week. So if you have that, it's available. Otherwise, uh, it's it's been around since 2019. Uh, you can pick it up elsewhere. It's It's good. I will say it has controller support, which I appreciate. It's super touchy. When it comes to like looking at an item and there being hot spots that you would identify, you know, it shows you where they are if you were going to mouse over to them. But it flips through menus real quick, real loose, either with the analog or the directional pad. So that's a bit of a frustration. Uh, I tend to just use the mouse whenever I have to point at something. But otherwise, really fun. Great story. And there is a, uh, a Billy Bass. Do you know what a Billy Bass is? Laura? Yeah, the singing fish thing on a plaque. Oh, yeah, you used to get them back in the UK back in the day. Yeah, so there's a Billy Bass, only instead of singing, it just says existentially horrifying statements that you know in your heart to be true. I want to own that in my home. But so it's you as a fish, Conrad. Yeah, pretty much. This game was, was made for me. Uh, and, and there's a lot of them. I spent a lot of time clicking through them. annoyed that they taken a potential pin design from you right oh god yeah 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 oh, i mean I'll, i mean i wouldn't put it past me to steal some from them <gasps> i don't believe in private property uh so anybody else play anything that's everything i've played i think yeah i'm i'm waiting to move my pinball obsession over to just going out and getting older financial <laughs> tables not buying them that would be ridiculous but other people have them inside of their buildings and i want them uh should we should we talk a little bit about david cage there's some news about david cage yeah about uh. an hour's drive from here though there's a bone busters which is just a rip-off of ghostbusters except you're it's about jogging skeletons <laughs> Just a bunch of skeletons are jogging in the street, apparently, and the Bone Busters will take care of them via the medium of pinball. It looks like a fun table. I played the virtual version, and I can play it over and over again because I won't hit the score limit because it goes down, <laughs> straight down the middle. Um, David Cage is a world-class piece of fucking shit. Yeah. Yep. So we're going to be summarising some stuff we have learned from uh, translations of some French media coverage of the current court case going on between Quantic Dream and the French newspapers Le Monde and Mediapart. So to remind everyone what that court case is about, basically Le Monde and Mediapart reported on a story that had been... Uh, there was a third newspaper involved, but basically three French newspapers worked together to break this story, that there was a horribly toxic work environment at Quantic Dream. Specifically... There was a culture of photoshopping racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, sexist photoshops of staff members and shipping them around. Uh, allegedly, David Cage was aware of it and did nothing to stop it. Cool boss. Well, I mean, according to some of the reports, he was... He was all in on some of the behavior. I'm kidding. There's no such thing as a cool boss. <laughs> so, basically, this got reported on and... Quantic Dream are suing the newspapers claiming it's defamation, specifically saying that the claims that uh, the existence and distribution of racist, homophobic, transphobic and Nazi photos is not real. A practice of social fraud set up as a system, a toxic corporate culture, that's not real. Basically, 
Nuh-uh. <laughs> Can't prove it. We're suing you. And I tell you what, right? Right. They've really added to their credibility with their behaviour in court. Mm. Yeah. They've shown the world that they are mature, that they can handle the slightest criticism, that David Cage isn't a soft, weak pathetic, no. insecure mm. little man who thinks he's an incredible artist, but it turns out he's actually just a bigoted, up-his-own-ass dickhead. No, I think you meant to say they shown their ass. Yes, they shown their ass, right. everyone. Okay, so let's let's read from the, the translated news story. David Cage, stammering, in tears, exclaimed, You're interfering with my business! This case is about my honour! Before he stormed out of the court courtroom. Yeah. He did a big cry that this is bad for his business and then stormed out of the courtroom mid court case. This is the guy who threw a little tantrum over a 7 out of 10 because everyone else on Metacritic said nicer things. This is a guy so fragile that he can't take the slightest criticisms of his games because he genuinely thinks he's above critique. Of course, he wept openly in a courtroom for being criticised. He stomped his feet and stormed out because you know what caused him to do that? It was a reading of some comments that he allegedly made in public. So allegedly in public he has said, in my games all women are whores. In the open space there's a lack of tits. And at Quantic Dreams, we don't make games for insert F slur for gay people. Cool. Yeah. No yeah. wonder I didn't like his shitty fucking games. Too straight for <sighs> me, are they, Davey? <sighs> you sad little worm of a man. Oh, the chickens. The chickens are at home tonight. So... David Cage, during this court case, before he stormed out, proudly displayed some documents. Like, there were some allegations of unfair dismissal for some workers, and they, they show this paperwork, and they're like, no, that worker was not unfairly dismissed. See, see the paperwork. We filed paperwork that said why we fired him. To which the other side pointed out that there were multiple other people fired with exactly the same wording. Basically copy-paste, but just change the name. Which sure, sure suggests that's not a real reason you fired them and you were just copying <laughs> the, the excuse you use. Years ago, I did a video called Quantic Nightmare talking about a lot of the early allegations. People were so mad that anyone would dare talk about those allegations and here we are in a courtroom and they are sinking their own case with that classic characteristic quantic dream fucking arrogance you know what the most arrogant thing here and the thing that is gonna hurt david cage the most in this court case i believe mm. the ceo of quantic dream at the end of his arguments asked the magistrates eye to eye but i'm not under oath so, can I lie? Before making a series of dubious allegations. <laughs> it's never a bad, it's never a good sign when you say to the judge, hey judge, can I lie? Because I'm going to say some wild stuff here that I have no proof for. Am I allowed to lie? It still gets me. It still fucking gets me. It's incredible. It's, it's oh. actually incredible. Like, I saw these... I couldn't believe 
when I read them that they were genuine for a while. Like I thought this was a parody when I first saw it crop up. Yeah. It does <sighs> seem like something the hard drive would publish. Yeah. Yeah. David Cage behaving in a courtroom to very serious allegations the way he behaves in response to game reviews is parody. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the the racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic photo montages that they claim never existed, many of them were produced in court. They're like, they do exist. Here's one of them. Very interesting to see what happens when the next Quantic game rolls around. Yeah. Nines and tens, everyone. I have less than zero interest in covering anything Quantic Dream. I have played their games in the past going, eh, you know. Uh. Well, I'll say this. I'm not interested in covering anything Quantic Dream makes. Yes, yes. Everything Quantic Dream does, however, very interesting. They're going on the Ubisoft list of let's keep reminding people of the, the shittiness. Yeah. This isn't us having a go at the French, by the way. It's not our no. fault. No, I have had several opportunities to have goes at the French here, and I have let them all go by. No, this is specifically David Cage. Right. Hey, remember when this first broke with those newspapers and David Cage tried to defend himself by going, hey, I can't be a, a, a homophobe. Elliot Page was in one of my games. Yeah. <laughs> I've met Elliot Page. I can't be a racist. Uh, I've forgotten his name, but the person who played Marcus in, in Detroit Become Human, he does activism work for black mm -hmm. people in America, so I can't be a racist. It, I mean, I get, like that alone should have like tipped the hand. That alone is a, is a flag to use those. Remember how Elliot Page had a contract signed that said, hey, you will not, I, I don't do nude scenes, do not make a nude model of me in this game. And then Quantic Dream had a nude version of his character yeah. appear in that game that could be found in the game files, which was shitty at the time, but is even shittier with the, the information of, oh, trans and wasn't out yet that's real mm, that's that's a body you gave gave them in that video game huh mm. david cage is a world-class piece of shit david cage loves to put scenes in games where women with no clothes on are sexually assaulted and you have to play through that as a fun gameplay mechanic it's in all his fucking games it's so much fun boy and and he seems to think that they deserve it or like it or or what from the way he describes them. Uh, David Cage is a world-class piece of shit. Yeah. So there's that. Oh, we've got a thing that came up on, on the Jimquisition this week. Injustice 2, the mobile version of Injustice 2. Yeah, I tell you what, I've had a lot of uh, cishet opinions about this. Oh, I bet you have. Yeah, my trash can is so full. The cishets have been really fucking out in force about this particular story. So yes, the mobile version of Injustice 2 every now and then has events where you have to fight a certain character over and over to unlock rewards. And for Pride Month... The developers went, you know what would be a really good Pride tie-in? We'll, we'll specifically call it a Pride Month event. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll highlight we're doing this because of Pride Month. What if we had you beat up an openly bisexual character over and over and over and over? And the more you, the more you fucking punch and kick this bisexual, the more rewards you get. That's a good Pride Month event, right? Yeah. Yikes. <sighs> what openly queer characters do we have? Poison Ivy? Let's beat the shit out of her. It would have been such an easy event to flip around and go, hey, 
you get rewards for playing as Poison Ivy this month. Yeah. Like, that's all you had to do to be like, if you play as Poison Ivy, rewards happen. There are so many things they could have done between not yeah. beating up Poison Ivy and beating up Poison Ivy. There are stages. So many stages you could take before you reach that one. But because they don't pay queer consultants to tell them their stupid ideas are stupid ideas. They keep, corporations will keep doing this shit. Yeah. Hey, video game companies, if you're unsure how to do LGBT stuff, or even if you think you're sure how to do it, but you, you know, you haven't checked, fucking pay consultants. Pay queer people. Do it. Pay queer people to tell you have you fucked up or not. And then listen to them when you tell them that you fucked up. Money. Money. Exchange money into queer people's hands. Yeah, stop trying to get all of the money off the gays and maybe, like, Kick some the other way. They're not trying to get the money off the gays. They know the gays. No, they're trying to get it off the white liberals. They're trying to get it off of the self-proclaimed quote-unquote allies. I mean, let's be fair. They're trying to get it from everyone because they're fucking corporations. Well, sure. But they, you know, they're they not so stupid as to think that this performative shit is fooling anybody who's actually in the community. Well, let's hang on. I need to push back. Okay. There is a certain class of gay person who is all in on corporate pride and they write they write articles in the guardian oh yeah about the trans the, issue the kind of person who would go hey gay men can get married what the fuck is stonewall doing caring about other groups of people and their needs yeah yeah <sighs> white gay men who pen columns about how gay marriage makes everything okay now i tell you what they love corporate pride. They love all these rainbow avatars and they think, wow, what a world we've made for our kids. Section 28 has gone away, therefore everything is fixed. It's not like we're stopping, you know, it's definitely not like there's a concerted effort to stop children from learning about trans people's existence because it's not technically a law, so it's yeah. fine. All bigoted violence has disappeared, which is why it's yeah. perfectly okay, because she's a villain, to beat up Poison Ivy for pride. Let's divorce... The, the social context from our video, just like they always wanted. <gasps> yeah. So that we don't quite, that's why they always, look, that's why these games constantly tell you folks that they're not political because they don't want you to think about anything in a political context because once you do, you start thinking, oh, queer people face violence every single day of their fucking lives. It's actually not cool to beat one up for pride. Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's a fun story. E3's a digital event this year. It's going to be starting basically as soon as this episode goes up. Is that that event that docks thousands of attendees? It is. It sure it is. is, funnily enough. I tell you what, I hope that their registration process this year is is carefully considered. I'm sure <laughs> you've got news of that nature, Laura. Oh, we've got many things to say about the E3 media portal. So mm. I registered for it. Definitely, definitely, definitely with real information and not with fake information for fear of doxing. No, no, no. Just because I was super curious about what the fuck a digital media access to E3 looks like. So there's a few things of note. First of all, I've never seen a shittier character creator than the E3 portal character creator, where any character you try and create to represent yourself on there looks like they have done too many of the wrong kind of drugs. Like, they are staring through infinity, 
and you don't know whether they're off on their own journey or they're going to just rip you in half in a minute. It's very unclear. They should just all have the caption not even once underneath them. Yeah. Currently, the only thing there really is to do on there is there is a forum that largely exists for games press to just tweet misspellings of the word gaming at each other. Like, that's that's all that's happening there is people going, like, gab- gabbing? G- gaming? Okay. It's bizarre and there's, like, literally nothing to do. You can drop off your virtual business card to various booths, which is like, hey, tell a game publisher your email address and your name, and maybe they'll decide to get back to you. Just fucking email them. But here's the thing I want to get into. The E3 media website assumes that every single E3 attendee uses he, him pronouns with absolutely zero way to change that. So this was brought to life by Jade King, who uses she, her pronouns and managed to get confirmation from Sega, who uh, she dropped off a, a virtual business card to and then was like, hey, can you take a screenshot of the email you've received just so I can double check this? Uh, it says, please contact him at this address. There is no way to change that. Everyone gets misgendered with he, him pronouns if that's not your pronouns, and there's no way to change that. <sighs> so the ESA has assumed every E3 attendee is male. That's such a video game industry thing to do, yeah. to assume that absolutely fucking everyone at your event is a man. The ESA is a joke. The ESA is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a corrupt joke. Also, there's a lack of clarity of design on this website. So there's a section where it's like, hey, information for media vendors. And it's not made clear that this will be publicly visible to everyone who uses the app. So there's a few people who put personally identifiable information on there, assuming that they would just be giving it to like company representatives. And people had to message them and go, hey, that you've put your phone number in a place where anyone on this app can see it because it's not very clearly labelled what this box is for. You should rotate that down. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so we're already getting stories of people's personal information being visible without them realising on the E3 app. You would think that would be like a thing they would warn you. I don't know. They're putting on an E3. Yeah. Even still. Yeah. Despite the fact that seemingly nobody wants one. This media portal they put up, they didn't tell anyone what it was going to give press and media before registering. They were just like, register, you'll get access a week early. And it's like, oh, well, we get like the ability to, you know, talk to publishers and set up interview appointments or anything like that. No, the app is literally just an empty thing of check back after our conference. Like, there's literally nothing. It's very confusing. They built it up as if they were going to be like, aha, this will be how you will network with your contacts for it. No, it's it's nothing. (sighs) I mean, I can't say I'm surprised. Be careful, anyone thinking of attending E3, giving you real details. Mm -hmm. As Laura said, she used fake ones, and I don't blame her. No, I didn't say that. I said I used real ones and definitely, definitely not fake ones. Right. That's That's what I heard. Yeah. I wouldn't think of of advising people use fake information when you apply for your E3 registration just to make sure you can't be doxxed. Well, here's the thing. If you don't use he, him pronouns, you can't help but give fake information. (laughs) Oh, shit. The other news story we got this week, it's a fairly light news week because E3 starts tomorrow and as such everyone. Oh, is it tomorrow? Tomorrow or like the day this goes up. Okay, I've not been paying attention. It starts the 12th. The, the day this goes up is um, Summer, Summer Games Fest gotcha. kicks off 
And then there's some not technically E3, but kind of E3 stuff on Friday, and then on Saturday it properly happens. Uh, I might tune in if I feel like it. Yeah. Well, on Monday on my stream, I'm going to drag Steph out and bitch with me about E3 uh, on Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Everyone should tune in for that. That sounds like a wonderful time. It'll be better than anything else save the Devolver stream and possibly better than that than you're going to see at E3. <laughs> the bar's so low, I can make that claim. Yeah. Uh, well, one side note about E3, one thing that we thankfully know is happening is the fucking Harry Potter turf game isn't showing up this E3, so that's nice. Oh, good. Hooray. Sidestep some awkward conversations, doesn't it? Can put off having to deal with that conversation for a bit. Yeah. So the last story we got this week is um, Ubisoft is moving to a hybrid approach to working from home. So... The short version here is, uh, this uh, This originally comes from Bloomberg, from Jason Schreier. Basically, employees have been told, hey, for most of you, basically all of you are going to give you the ability to work sometimes in the office, sometimes from home, and to basically only work in the office when it is required, otherwise you'll have the option to not do so. Problems with Ubisoft aside... This is a good thing that most companies should really be offering post-pandemic because they have proven they can do it. Yep. This is an example of a thing that the whole industry should really be trying to make work because it's very good for disabled people who may not be able to commute into the office easily. It's good for it's good for a whole range of people. I will never say the words Ubisoft is providing an example of how other companies should conduct business. I will, however, say it's a very good idea for everybody to just work with this. Yes. And work with people. Some people want to go into an office. And if you want to go into an office and the company can provide that, wants that, I don't see any reason not to do that either if you can afford it. But, I mean, the money that they could be saving on real estate. Yeah. Just letting people stay at home. They've already found every other way to exploit the resources that the people they have in their employ. This is a no-brainer. I, I don't even get it. Yeah. Unless, you sim unless it's always simply been about imprisoning people for eight hours at a stretch. In which case, hey... I see you. Yeah, you know, it's it's a stripping of agency, of dependence, uh, independence, it's control. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to let that go during the pandemic, but now that it's happened and people have realised, oh, wait, we, we never had to do this. To give some additional info on this story, there are some roles which they're like, for technical constraint reasons, this will have to stay a permanently in the office role because... Maybe it needs the fancy motion capture room that you cannot do at home or shit like that. And some roles will be you can work full time from home if you're in this role. I mean, honestly, this is better than what most companies in this regard are doing. And if we could get to most of you can work a percentage of the time from home, some of you all the time, as few of you as possible all of the time. If every company can move towards that, that'd be better. I'll, gi I'll give them that. Yep. But as a reminder, Ubisoft covered up years of abuse allegations and didn't talk about it until the press found out about it, at which point they're like, oh, I guess we actually have to acknowledge it now. Yeah, and then they didn't do much beyond acknowledging. Yeah, and even then they didn't really acknowledge as much as they should have done. Yeah, then rushed right on to promote their games at Ubisoft, and then uh, a willing games media regurgitated uncritically 
all of that coverage and continue to do so. We're all very, very excited for Far Cry. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Industry of scum. Look, I can't even hide how little I care about E3 because I fucking despise that industry now. Yeah. That industry. Not this. That. Oh, last little thing. For anyone who's not aware, go check out the the uh, 15 minute video for the play date that went up this week. I was just reading about it. Yeah. It's so yellow and I want one. For anyone who's unaware, this is a little tiny handheld that it, it has a little crank on it and you can play games using a little crank wheel. And So fucking stupid and pointless, but I want it. I kind of do as well. It's a tiny little yellow brick that, like, the gimmick is... It's a little retro device that several big name indie developers are making exclusive software for. It's a cute, weird little device. Um, off the top of my head, I know Lucas Pope of Papers, Please, Return of the Oprah Din is making something unique for it. It's weirdly charming. There's like a 15 minute video they put up uh, ahead of E3 showing off this thing. It goes up on pre-sale next month and I can't. I kind of can't help getting excited about this I'm gonna try and get weird one. little collection of indie things. Yeah, I want to get one as well. I've got my eyes on it. You know, all video games are shit, but I haven't tried any with cranks yet. Exactly. I want to crank it while I game. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. oh. It's so yellow. It's a really good shade of yellow as well as the thing. I can't buy things based on how yellow they are. That's not a business model. <laughs> Unless you're in the Green Lantern universe. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> That's a fucking quality joke, Conrad. Thank you. That is fucking quality. Oh, God. Is that it, though? Oh, there's there's one other quick one. I just want to find the name of the fucking... There's a game called Pal World that got shown off in a six-hour-long indie stream. It wasn't the only game in the six hours. They showed off, like, 300 fucking games. Pal World appears to be Pokemon... Several of them, they've literally just stolen the Pokemon out of the Pokemon game and put it in their indie thing. I'm in. But what if you could make your Pokemon work in a sweatshop crying while they produce guns? I'm out. What if you could make your Snorlax be a human shield so it gets shot with bullets so you don't? What the hell? What if when your hunger meter went down and you were too hungry in the survival mechanics, you could eat your Pikachu to have a bit of health back and a bit of hunger meter down? We can't have that dropped right at the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, it's they're making Pokemon for edgy teenagers. I'm looking at it now. Mass manufacturing assault rifles? Yes. <gasps> yeah. They're shooting the shit out of that Pikachu. Yeah, right? Oh, little scratchy dog belly. That's basically a Gyarados. Breeding. It's got it all. Mowing down people with guns. It's got that human shit. Yeah. Oh, she picked that little sheep up, didn't she? <laughs> And the sheep didn't look happy being shot to pieces. That's something that you see in... I say shot to pieces. I'm, there's no blood and gore. But they are being enslaved and working in sweatshops and being used as shields. You know what this game is? This game is what Peter always implies that Pokemon is. Yeah. yeah. This is the thing that like Peter parodies Pokemon and pretends it's this. They're just making it. They just didn't go the whole way by making it a gore fest. Like, they've kept it fairly light. There's no blood and guts. They just look really sad when they're being shot at. Yeah, here's just a Piplup really sad to be putting together an AK-47. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, God. But I tell you what, if those little Pokemon were producing games, no one reviewing them would question how they're being made. <laughs> 
not bitter about the industry. Not at all. Not at I'm all. not bitter and I'm not bitter and just fucking done. <laughs> I, I don't want to just spend my days playing pinball and lounging on a rock in the sun like the lizard I am. If you just want to become a game reviewer who only talks about pinball games and have a Twitch channel where you just bask in the sun but on camera, I'll support your career direction change. I'll be right behind you. Thank you. There's less money in it than what I'm doing, but a lot more lounging. There's a lot more lounging and a lot less video games. It, oh, God, that's brilliant. Oh, God, less video game coverage. Yeah. Oh, God, I've just I've just finished. The pinball industry doesn't have an E3 that I know of. It probably does. It's also a money-sucking scumhouse industry. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, arcade machines are the original microtransactions, but I do want to go up the arcade. <laughs> Or go up the arcade and play pinball for like the two minutes it takes for me to lose all the balls and then go away sad. Oh, Laura, what what do you do? Me, (laughs) what what, do you do? What do I do? (laughs) Um, well, uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz everywhere: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Every Friday, I have episodes of Accessibility. This week's one went up a little early. It's about Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I got books. The only one I'm going to talk about this week, because it's the only important one. Gender Euphoria. By the time you hear this, it's out now. It is an anthology of non-cis people just talking about how good and happy and wholesome life can be sometimes with nice, positive, good stories. Go check it out. It's out now. People seem to like it. Go read it. Other than that, there are some... Podcasts that I do, Pixel Squirts, about video game character pornography, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things like board games and TV and stuff that isn't video games, and uh, Dice Funk, which is Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on all the seasons, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I'm on all of them ones. Conrad used to be on that show as well. I did used to be on that one. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can hang out with me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I stream four days a week at a variety of times. But but James Stephanie Sterling will be hanging out with me doing E3 stuff again uh, this coming Monday. That's June 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com and of course everything I do online is supported through Patreon patreon.com slash fist shark and you know who else has a Patreon <gasps> it's James Stephanie Sterling oh Jesus um, patreon.com slash gymquisition that'll get you there that supports all the things um, also I do Twitch streaming as well Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling where on June 19th we will be streaming Rise Returns oh, hopefully yeah. the venue lied about how much concrete's in the building but that's fine we'll <laughs> work it the fuck out it should be fine Marcus's phone works in there so you know we'll, we'll work something out <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ. So, as it stands, we are streaming it on June 19th, 7.30pm Eastern uh, at Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. And at the Enjoy Wrestling YouTube channel on the 17th, it's the premiere episode of Canned Heat Season 2, where I make my Enjoy Wrestling debut um, as I head up more nefarious schemes I may or may not choke slam someone, but let's face it, it's what I do, unless I'm on Facebook where the post mentioning that I do will be taken down for harassment, <laughs> I guess just against people 
They took it down. It was a clip, uh, a screen grab from the Jimquisition, says I slam people, and uh, Facebook took it down. Actually, Instagram took it down temporarily as well for promoting crimes. <sighs> be gay, do choke slams. Also, people should turn up half an hour early for Rise, because there's going to be a little pre-stream. There's going to be a little pre-show. Conrad and Laura did amazing pre, uh, pre-shows on uh, the past Polyam Cult Party event, and... Laura will be here at 7 p.m. Eastern, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, to go through, catch people up on Rise, and just be lovely and get people all hyped for what will be a great night. I'm going to do my best to get everyone ready and in the mood so that when wrestling happens, everyone's in the mood. I may or may not. I will definitely be there to um, take the Rise Grand Championship back from Ziggy Hyam and have it handed back. I may or may not be in glorious action. We shall see. May or may not. What a tease. I know, I'm a bitch. (laughs) See everyone. Bye. (laughs) Bye.